Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. It's good to be with you again this morning. My name is Russ Herman. I'm from Cloverdale United Reformed Church. In the studio with me this morning is Ryan Hemphel from Treasure Valley RPCNA. Yep. Ryan, do you want to just tell us just a little bit about your church? You are yeah, a relatively new. Yeah, we've been around for about a Valley. year. So we started June of last year, and we meet in Meridian, um, kind of near Old Town Meridian, Third and Pine. And uh, you can find us at BoiseReformPresbyterian.com. I think uh, we're, you know, the thing that I tell people that make us unique is we sing only psalms and we don't use instruments. Other than that, you know, we're a gospel-believing and preaching church. He has a voice for it, though. Yep. yep. Yeah. He, 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 he can carry a congregation singing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have heard me sing. <laughs> also with us in the studio is Vinny Henke from... Valley Life Community Church. The church is not new, but you're relatively new to the area. Relatively so new, yeah. You can so tell my, us a little bit about yourself and the church. Yeah, I moved here three years ago after the uh, planting pastor retired. He ministered for 20 years, faithfully leading the congregation. Um, they went through a two-year vacancy. It was really challenging for them, mm. um, but they extended a call to me in the summer of 2019, just in time for, for COVID to hit, or as we were getting to know one another face-to-face. Uh, but God's been extraordinarily gracious. We're on the corner of Locust Grove and Chinden and want to be a people of uh, gospel love, uh, community, intention, and fellowship, and then missional purpose. And last but certainly not least is Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church. You have been here for a while. You can still tell us about yourself and your church. I've been in the city for quite a while. In fact, uh, you know, I, you know, I can remember years ago um, – you know, ministering alongside the pastor at Valley Life, and um, even before that, you know, um, you know, at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, the pastor that was there before, and then I was able to serve at Cloverdale for a number of years, and then now we planted Day Spring Reformed Church on the east side of Boise, which is up uh, in the Vista Overland area on the bench. Uh, we meet at thirty one hundred two Palouse Street and uh, worship in a in the building of the Whitney Friends Church. And so we've we've had a, a good relationship, uh, you know, in that building. We, um, you know, it's just a, it's it's been a blessing. We, as hosts, have been talking about covenant theology, and we've been using a framework of Kevin DeYoung about, um, it's as easy as 3-1-2, three covenants, covenant of works, covenant of grace, covenant of redemption, and there's only one covenant of grace we said we were going to talk about this yesterday but we wanted to have you on the edge of your seats where i think we successfully got you there so we're going to instead talk about the one covenant of grace what does that mean what is being distinguished by saying that there's only one covenant of grace why would somebody think that there's more than one yeah, I think as you work your way through the scriptures, you're going to read God um, institute different covenants with different people. And so that, that can cause confusion as God creating new covenants every time. Uh, covenant theology as a theme throughout the scripture teaches, however, that the covenant of grace is one establishment of a gracious relationship of God with his people that involves three things. It is a people for himself. It is a paradise or a place, and then there is the promise of God. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And then what God does is through different administrations emphasizes pieces of those three things in each of his covenants. So we read about the covenant of with Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and then the new covenant in Jeremiah. So real quick, the way you can think through this is the, the Noahic covenant is about a preservation of people, Noah and his family through judgment. 
Abraham is about a purposeful place for God's people, the paradise, the land that Abraham's descendants would inherit. Uh, the Moses covenant establishes a new pattern of life under God's rule and authority through the giving of the law. The Davidic covenant establishes the promise of an eternal paternal king, that is the father who would rule over his people. And then the new covenant in Jeremiah is the ultimate fulfillment of the eternal presence of God with his people forgiven and cleansed from their sin as a result of the work of the redemptive Christ. The, and and the idea that of the paradise and the people and the presence that's in each one of the right. the covenants you know as uh, being pointed out here uh, that uh, there is an emphasis on maybe certain aspects of that right mm-hmm. and I think with each one too um, with you know the that's a really helpful distinction of any that's really good. And I think with each each of those two, as as God is bringing these covenants in, He's just unfolding things a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. He's kind of peeling back the layers. And I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of the episodes ago, of you know the prophets of old searched diligently for you know when the Christ would come and His suffering, and had an understanding that this was all pointing to something. And I think what we see throughout Scripture is God progressively revealing Himself and His plan. And just opening and peeling things back. Yeah, it's one. important to read the Bible that way and understand that as you read through the Old Testament, there is this progressive revelation. There is that one thread of redemption that's running through it, that that covenant thread that's going all the way through of God's promises. But it's unfolding, uh, you know, and and we're gaining more and more knowledge. But it begins <laughs> with that first promise in the garden in Genesis three fifteen about the one who's going to crush the serpent's head. Yep. Yeah, and then each one of these administrations of the of the covenant of grace is rooted in that grace god is the one who right. initiates right mm-hmm. it's yep. it's not noah abraham moses david or jeremiah that is pursuing god it's god pursuing his people in this so each one of these is rooted in the gracious first movement of god yep. so maybe to take all what you guys are saying and just say that at the very beginning after the fall and god is revealing to humankind the outworking of this covenant of redemption with the covenant of grace in the garden with genesis 3:15 of the promise of the seed of the woman that's going to crush the seed of the serpent that's the first declaration of the gospel right mm-hmm. and so when we talk about a progressive revelation or a progressive administration of the covenant what we're in 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 nutshell saying is that it is a a progressive revelation of the gospel um so when you hear all of this though we're talking about covenant theology being very specific i i hope that you also hear that what, what we're really talking about in in the very core is the gospel and, mm-hmm. and what happens as the scriptures move forward is God gives greater and greater clarity it's like, about how that yeah. gospel will play out in time and space, which is oftentimes in these big covenantal moments in the history of the church. Yeah, it's like, the, like a bud going to full flower. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same flower. It, it's, it's, you know, you're seeing the bud and then you're seeing you know the petals starting to form and then it's in it opening up and this is what we have with the, that progressive understanding of the covenant as being explained to us through scripture so maybe just walk us through the major covenants of the scriptures to tell us what they are revealing 
about the gospel and about the one covenant of grace? Well, I think um, <clears throat> in the covenant with Noah um, that we re- that we see, I mean, sometimes it can kind of be hard to see God's grace in that covenant. I mean, you consider the, the account is, I mean, God spares one family out of the entire earth. But in that, we do see the covenant of grace in action in that, one, there is a judgment coming uh, that all men will um, stand before. Um, we see God graciously preserving uh, a people for himself. But we also th- see, um, you know, in, in the ark itself, there's a vehicle through which the people are saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can look at, you know, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that ark in a sense is pointing us to Christ and that he is the means through which we are saved. It is God's grace by faith in Christ that we are saved and he is preserving people from judgment. I think that's how Peter uses it. Yeah. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's much of a stretch. Yeah. Right. You, you know, the beautiful Some people thing, might think of The yeah. beautiful <laughs> thing that's going to come out, you know, as we understand covenant theology is to recognize that you know, God truly does bless families too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in that first, uh, you know, administration of the covenant with Noah that we're you know, pointed to here, uh, you see that it's not just Noah, but it's but his family that yeah. is, that mm-hmm. are preserved through this. After the covenant with Noah, we get to the covenant with Abraham. What do we learn there? That God is gracious and can save anybody, even a guy living at home with his dad in his eighties, worshiping false gods. Yeah, which is Abraham, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so the sing, this, this married man with no kids, no family, God calls out of his father's house and tells him, "I'm going to take you to a place. Don't worry about the GPS destination. Just trust me and walk with me. And you, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed." This is a, a foreshadowing. Ultimately, uh, Adam or Abraham's offspring is going to be. Christ, who yep. through mm-hmm. all the nations will be blessed. And so Abraham's covenant of being called out and given a promise of, a, of an eternal family foreshadows the work of Christ through which by all families would be blessed. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. that aspect of the covenant, I don't think the the Old Testament nation of Israel or the church of the Old Testament understood very well this right. whole idea of the nations being blessed. I'll defer to our local psalm expert here, but the psalms <laughs> speak frequently of the international aspect of the kingdom of god do you want to just there's a oh man you put me on the spot i'm horrible i was thinking off the top of my head psalm 87 that is the one i couldn't think of the number but in that god is saying you know he mentions kush he mentions egypt he mentions babylon these areas that are at one time enemies of god's people but what that psalm says is this one was born in zion Mm mm-hmm this one's a citizen in Zion. He was, they were born in her. And Zion being, you know, that very place where God hits his city and it represents his people. So we are citizens of Zion if we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And we also see the worldwide scope of God's gospel, even in something like the Exodus, where mm-hmm. it wasn't just the Israelites that left. There were Egyptians that left with them and mm-hmm. became a part of the covenant community. And then we have... Rahab, you know, a prostitute in Jericho who becomes part of the covenant community. Um, got Bathsheba, I think she was a Hittite, um, comes part. I mean, King David is comes through her. So, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, not King David, but Solomon. Um, so all these things show that God's plan is beyond a specific nationality. It is worldwide in scope. And, um, 
that that covenant that was made with uh, with Abraham uh, was Genesis fifteen, Genesis yeah. seventeen yeah. was to bless all the nations uh, through his seed, which would point to Christ. Um, but it just reminds us that you know when we read through God's word that God has always been a missionary God. He's always had a. It's not he he chose them that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. We won't be able to get through all of them, but hopefully just one more. Mosaic covenant, sometimes people look at this and say, wait, no, that's not a covenant of grace. That's that's works. That's mm-hmm. law. So how do we help those that to have a better understanding of the Mosaic covenant? We need to look at it in just a, the broader picture and context of you know what was going on. You know, God had just freed and delivered his people. And we look at that in that exodus, that delivery from slavery. It, it's pointing us to the redemption that we will ultimately have in Christ. And it's in that context then that God sets up these rules. And I liked how Vinny put it of, um, you know, living in community and relationship with God according to these rules. I mean, these rules aren't, this is how you are freed. This isn't how you are redeemed. This is how you live having been redeemed by me. Well, everything everything about that covenant begins, you know, that we think about the Ten Commandments, but it's, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. So, I mean, it begins graciously, and and then it also tells us in, in Deuteronomy, as the law is being repeated, and I, the Lord your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and that you may live. This is the gracious aspect of that covenant that's been made with, uh, you know, through Moses. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will continue looking at this one covenant of grace tomorrow. See you then. Yep. Bye bye. 